the multi-Grammy winning Sydney Cash Dollar on DaleWileyShow.com. Because there was something in the water in Springfield, Missouri. Hey, don't forget me. I'm Brenda Lee, and we're all going to have fun tonight on Ozark Jubilee. Missouri Music Podcast, hosted by music fan and the founder of Slewfoot Records, Mr. Dale Wiley. Hey, Sydney, are you here? I'm here. Can you believe it? <laughs> well, that's great. <laughs> I can believe it. I'm very happy to have Sydney Cashdollar on the line, the wonderful and five-time winning, five-time Grammy winning still guitar player to the stars and so first <laughs> i want to ask you what kind of music do you play oh i play all all <laughs> kinds really it's always uh, a harder question than it seems like it is you know uh maybe <laughs> long ago it didn't used to be because uh you know i played dobro i played lap steel right. steel guitar and and sure. uh very early on all those slide guitar instruments what well, be it resonator right. or wood or metal or six strings yes. eight strings they all had a uh, i think a certain place uh, a certain genre that they were automatically placed in but of yes. course over the years that's really changed so so i i really i think safe to say i play most i think the only music i've not played ever is uh hip-hop and uh, opera okay. i think those are the two <laughs> genres you know within reason that i have not covered <laughs> okay well so let's go back to starting in woodstock and tell me how did you first get interested in music? Well, I started to play guitar when I was around 11. Um, okay. And then uh, took guitar lessons. And, you know, this was a quite a live music uh, town long ago. Yes, definitely. Uh, it's, it's got a name. <laughs> it does. <laughs> it certainly does. And and long before the festival, this was always uh, an area of... Yes. Uh, Woodstock, we, we were in the Catskill Mountains, and uh, it's a beautiful little village. It's in a valley, and it's two hours north of New York City. So right. I would say that, you know, the best, really the best education I had and inspiration certainly was was growing up here. There was many musicians and artists that, that moved here. And, um, and uh, so there was, you know, I saw a lot of live music at an early age because the rules and laws of course are a little more lax then so at, you know 13 14 yes. i was going to concerts or clubs here or you know the the mini festivals they would have before the actual big woodstock festival so right. um so i think you know all of that and um and then i took up uh the dobro or the resonator guitars it's referred to now. right uh yes. probably i was around 19 or 20 i i heard okay. saw someone playing it in a club i was waitressing a club here and 
and just love the sound. So I started playing that and, and um, abandoned the guitar and my calluses that I have gotten from playing guitar. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and away we went, you know. <laughs> well, and so why did that strike you so much? Why did that get you? Oh, I just thought that the, um, you know, I, I had heard the the slide guitar sound on, you know, many recordings. I was into blues and I was into country. I was into, as I still am now, all kinds of music. And, yes, um, I'm sure. So uh, when I saw someone playing this uh, resonator, I was just really, you know, I tried to figure it out bottleneck style on my regular right. guitar trying to figure out tunings with the yeah the uh i think it was like a wrench socket over my ring finger and just tried to figure out how to do it from records and and trying to figure out the tunings by ear but it had been the first time i actually saw one of the instruments that made that sound and i thought it was so intriguing and so almost <laughs> like an, a, an emotional sound you know a slide guitar to me is almost like a, a singer's voice you know right so uh, it really it really got to me and it looked um it just looked like it sounded <laughs> so it's a really cool look it. definitely and yeah. so how long did it take you to get good at it oh well <laughs> it took, <laughs> i don't know good it could be a loose term uh, i think it was about a year i think uh a year before I felt comfortable enough to start playing it in public, and I probably shouldn't okay. have. I'll put it that way, but really? um, <laughs> but but I why I not? Think, uh, you know, it was. It, I mean, I I hear old recordings, and and it, it's really funny. You know, when any of us <laughs> when any of us see old pictures or we hear yes. early oh, yeah. recordings of our voice or whatever, it's just it's funny. It's just like you know, you're you're in your beginning stages and maybe right. at the time you thought it was great but now you don't <laughs> but uh i just started doing they had weekly jam sessions uh here at a little you know place that had country music and you know i right. joined a a band and and so i just started you know you know dipping my toe in the dover waters by sitting in yes and figuring it out and and then uh my teacher was a, a, a bluegrass uh, buff, and so I learned he would bring over all his uh, Josh Graves uh, records. You know, Josh Graves played Dover oh, yeah. with Flat and Scruggs. Totally, and, yeah. and really, I think Josh really raised the bar for, um, he, he just, I always say he put the blues in bluegrass. You know, he was okay. kind of... He he had a, a style that was very different back then, and so um, so my, I learned from my Dubro teacher's records, and uh, and he was teaching bluegrass, and also wanted to teach me Hawaiian style, which is very different okay. and very beautiful. <laughs> but I just wanted to play loud and fast, so um, <laughs> so that's what I started out doing was uh, bluegrass, and um, and then eventually it kind of um, you know started out. Not not good, but like I said, just kind of, you know, sitting in people, playing in little local bands and, you know, gradually, gradually, I think, you know, with, with each job that I got. And still to this day, it's like, you know, you work with all these different people as a side musician. Right. And sure. so it always raises the bar, 
you know so i think that's that's what it was you know there's there's stepping stones no matter what we do and and music was music was mine you know and and being in a area that was so fertile with a lot of different um types of music and being so close to new york city a lot of those artists on tour would would come here and perform or move or both because it was such right. a cool place. So yes. all that just kept going and going. And, and so, um, that's, that's how pretty much how that started in a nutshell. Well, that's how it started. <laughs> you know, but then also let's, let's just continue to ask. I got a couple more questions about Woodstock itself because that's a fascinating area that has a much bigger musical history that people know. And so tell me what your experiences are when you're back in Woodstock now, tell me what it's like being back and the cool history music even before the festival. Um, I'm sorry, you were breaking up a little bit, Dale. You wanted me to okay. talk about Woodstock now. Woodstock and just kind of the cool history of music that actually predates the festival. I mean, what do you know? What did you learn about being a musician, both starting out in Woodstock and being back in Woodstock now? Well, I think, you know, starting out just seeing um, live music here. Yes. And I think my first concert that I saw, um, and I went because my guitar teacher was in this concert, and it was a benefit. Okay. It was a benefit for a local musician whose home had burned down. And at uh-huh. that time, um, there was still, like, Van Morrison was living here. Yes. Um, uh, <laughs> you played with him. Yes, and it's very odd later in years. It's it's very it's very uh, interesting to me that the people that I saw early on that I so revered and were kind of a soundtrack for my early right. oh, days, yeah. I ended up working with years later. Yes, so, um, I know. Van Morrison was one of them, and then there was a very famous folk duo uh, from the city at the time, Happy and Artie Trom. They were on the bill. Okay. Uh, John Hammond, Jr., who was uh, wow. amazing blues artist. Yes. Um, boy, there was Odetta. Wow. Uh, the, the folk singer. And so I was just really blown away. So I don't, th- I think, you know, at that point, I just observed, I think I felt emotion from these performers as well yeah. as, as seeing audience reactions, including my own. Um, right. You know, just seeing all this all the time, it's like it was such a, a different feeling that I just didn't feel from anything else, I guess. Right. So I don't know if I if I learned anything musically no. other than just seeing how these people just um, just, you know, how how they um, just created such joy or sadness or whatever um, with uh-huh. their music. And just watching how they would, you know, just be this, you know, total other being, worldly being on the stage, yes. <laughs> making these amazing sounds, be it singing or playing an instrument. So I don't yes. know if I learned so much then, aside from, you know, my guitar teacher or later on my Dovro teacher, which was all very informal lessons. There was no music reading or theory or anything. It was all by ear. But... um you know, I, I think as I started out, um, you know, I started learning just from working with different people and and uh-huh. certainly just um, sitting in my room like I did 
you know, like most people do, I guess, when they're learning an instrument, like endless yes. <laughs> hours of just of just playing records and trying to figure out what they were doing on there. And okay, so, so when did you go to pedal steel? When did that happen? Well, um, after uh, some years on the Dovro, I um, was starting to play in bands that were uh, that required an electric sound. So, right. um, so uh, at the time, uh, at that time, I was playing with uh, Levon Helm and Rick Danko from the band. Yes. I was going to mention them for a minute. Sure. Yeah, they um, they uh, lived here, and so uh, Levon had injured himself uh, with a gunshot practicing. He was doing wow. movies back then, so <laughs> why he was practicing for a movie role with a loaded gun is anybody's guess, but he uh, had... <laughs> Had had a little injuring himself shooting accident and couldn't really. Uh, wow! I, th I think he just grazed his thigh, but he but he couldn't play drums for for it's about still, a year or so. Wow! It, it still makes you wonder. So, um, <laughs> but he could still play and sing. So anyway, he uh, and and Rick Danko started doing uh, this this acoustic show, and so I was. When over, was this? When was this? This would probably be eighty. Five maybe okay somewhere around there, eighty six. Um, that uh, Rick and Levon started doing acoustic shows, and uh, I had been invited to a New Year's Eve party over at Levon's. So I had never met him. Brought my dobro, and and uh, wow. so anyway, uh, was invited to um, play with them in New York, and it was very interesting. It was all band songs, which I had right. you know knew pretty much, Love. but not to play. Yes. So for a year, there was kind of an acoustic quartet with my husband at the time on bass, and uh, Levon played mandolin or harmonica, Rick was on guitar. And then as Levon healed and got back on the drums, but hired another drummer to, to play with, um, with him as he was healing, and then uh, it became a, a bigger band called the Woodstock All-Stars. And the Dobro okay. was not cutting it. I kept trying whatever pickups were available to make uh, it amplified, which were pretty rough. And, you know, it's like they hadn't quite figured out how to make a good pickup then. So, sure. Le uh, so it was either Levon or Rick had this very strange, funny-looking um, instrument called a mellow bar, which essentially it was oh, really? really made for steel players so they could stand up and play. Okay. And but the neck, this big wide neck, uh, was tilted toward them so they could stand up and, and play, you know, with their pedal steel bar. So um, they gave me one of those, and, and it was old and weighed a ton. And uh, because it was made for <laughs> pedal steel players that had a, yes. know, a lot of strings on it, so right. I, I took off I took off all the extra strings that I couldn't deal with and didn't know what to do with, and just put <laughs> it in, put it in dobro tuning. And so that is how. I went from Dobro to the lap steel, uh, which okay. was essentially the amplified version, and then, um, and then started playing steel guitar. Oh, it was much, much later as a hobby. You know, I just um, really, yeah. Uh, a friend, a, a neighbor, had moved and gave me all his Bob Wills records. And, wow. Um, I kind of put them aside, and then years later, um, just as a hobby, uh, my husband g gifted me a Fender double neck non pedal steel uh, for Christmas. Wow, that's quite and, a gift. Uh, 
Yeah, That's so I didn't. It was gift. an amazing <laughs> gift. It was it was a wonderful gift, and I but I did not really know what I was doing. There were no steel guitar teachers here. I you know I I got into the non-pedal steel you know which has eight strings and various yeah. necks and different tunings. But I <laughs> lots I, uh, of knee pedals and everything. Well, that's pedal steel has all that, which is oh, why. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so I know, you know, luckily, you know, with Sleep at the Wheel, the Western Swing Group um, hired me, and it was great because that was the sound, you know, for right. for the Western Swing sound. So, but um, you know, I would try pedal steel once in a while, but I just, I think, got so ensconced in non-pedal, and pedal steel is very not only um, it's very cerebral. Where a lot of math. a lot more strings and pedals and <laughs> yes. and uh, and uh, and also very heavy. So anyway, it was just something that I just never got. Always wish I could play it, um, but I always say in another lifetime because it really right. is, I think <laughs> that is a full time commitment. Right, and I exactly. just didn't have the time to commit to it, you know. So that's how that that's how that all. And so, how did how did the sleepers the wheel decide to hire you? I had moved from Woodstock to Nashville. Uh, right. That was in '92, and uh-huh. um, only because the you know the even though I was touring a bit, still living in Woodstock, the the you could no longer really make any semblance of living not only here but in the regional area. A lot of the clubs were just kind of not happening anymore. So I uh, moved to Nashville uh, and stayed with some friends, and and um, I brought a, a de- I had made a demo tape before I left of of uh, some dobro instrumentals and one steel instrumental. It was still kind of a rickety sound, you know. For me, it just wasn't optimum, but I threw right. a steel guitar <laughs> instrumental on there. Sure. And then uh, and then I was in Nashville about uh, I guess maybe. You know, some months and six months later, um, maybe three months later, heard that Sleep at the Wheel might be looking for a steel player. Really? And I was a huge fan of their music. Oh, yeah. So, um, Who could not be? They're huge. Oh, they're, I know. They're just, you know, it's, it's incredible how they... <laughs> so anyway, I, I um, heard that they might be looking for a steel player, and they were coming into Nashville the following day to tape a TV show on the Nashville network. Okay. And um, I knew where that TV studio was, and so I just waited in the parking lot. Really? The bus to pull up, and um, just, you know, got out of the car and knocked on the door, the bus door, and asked to speak to their steel player because I just didn't want to say anything until I knew for sure their steel player <laughs> yes. he was leaving. So uh, he came out of the bus, was very gracious. Yes, I'm, I'm, you know, leaving. And he took my little promotional packet with the demo tape and everything. Right. And, um, <laughs> you know, Ray Benson, the Sleep at the Wheel leader. Very tall me. leader yep. of the band. <laughs> yes. Some weeks later, Ray called and said, well, he said, uh, your Dobro play is great, but uh, your steel playing's not. But uh, here's, uh, here's some potential. So uh, and um, he's and uh, so anyway, that's that's how that whole thing started. So I moved to you know I for a while I traveled back and forth from uh, from Nashville to Austin uh-huh. and um, you know would fly to Austin and stay in a hotel and go out in the road with them. But um, and uh, 
uh, Ray, Ray was very gracious. You know, he said, I'll, I'll give you six months to get up to speed, which was right. not really a lot of time, you know. Uh-huh. So uh, anyway, I ended up moving to Austin. That's where they were based out of. Sure. And, um, you know, their, their steel player that had left, John Ely, remained in Austin for a while. So whenever I could, I would take lessons from him. I would drive to Houston and take lessons from Herb Remington, who played Oh, wow. Oh my God! And, uh, yeah. Who later uh, made me a steel guitar, which I still have. Really? And, wow! Uh, also took lessons from Maurice Anderson, who played with Bob Wills in in later years. It was right. uh, it was really a blessing that those men were still around, such fabulous players and wonderful people. And um, so I think it was between all of that and constant practicing on the bus right. and learning music theory. I really didn't know music theory. You got to know some, you know, yes, at definitely. that point. So, um, so I, I'm always very grateful to Ray Benson for you know take, taking a chance and um, just the opportunity to have been with them for for almost nine years. I guess it's eight. I know years. a long time. And so mm-hmm. then, since then, you've just had all kinds of things come your way and won a lot of Grammys. So tell me about well, that. Uh, the Grammys, uh, the five Grammys I have were won with a sleep at the wheel. Okay, all right. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, we had done, uh, we did, I recorded quite a few uh, albums with them, but two that we did uh, were, the first one was a tribute to Bob Wills and the Texas Playboys. Sure. And the second one was uh, that I recorded with them was A Ride with Bob. And they both of those albums had many guest stars on there. Willie Nelson, Lyle Lovett, Merle Haggard, Dolly right. Parton, many people. And um, so the five Grammys, some were won from those albums, and I think a couple, maybe not. Um, but uh, that's that's where the Grammys from and uh the the great thing was that on the on the first album the uh tribute to bob wills and the texas playboys um we actually got to play with the playboys that were still amongst us who was shamblin on guitar Uh and johnny gimbal on fiddle and of course herb remington right and leon roush on vocals wow he's from just down the road Billings, Missouri. Yeah, what a yeah. wonder, wonderful. They were all such great <laughs> people, such great stories, such a good yes, sense of humor. I'm so sure. that for me yeah. was um, that was a, a a really special time. I gotta uh-huh. say, and and um, you know, the only reason I I left the Sleep at the Wheel was I just wanted to to start getting back to different more more variety of music. I love Western Swing and, and Western right. Swing of course encompasses so many yes. different types of music. <laughs> it's really a melting pot of jazz Definitely. and country and swing. But I was just kinda of wanting to get back uh a little more to playing more acoustically. I kinda of miss playing um Doro and and just um kind of explore stuff. So I left on good terms. because uh, I still so, you know, I still go out with them. I did two tours with them last summer. Uh, wow! You know, when they need a sub. What a great um, show! They always put on a great show. Ah, oh, they're they're amazing, and and the band they have is amazing. But uh, I just wanted to to get back to um, different stuff, so I I uh, just started working with uh, a lot of different artists, and and that that's how 
happened. I think it was just, you know, freelancing, it was a little scary, that decision. Sure, yeah. um, You know, I'd been used to such steady work for so long, but but it it worked out. It was not without its its struggles, but it it certainly worked out because I think I was really determined to make it work, you know. Yeah. Well, and so tell me about this latest album because you just have so many guests that are on this album. So cool. Well, uh, the new album is called Waltz for Abilene, and it's the second one I've done, the first one was called Slideshow, but it was like 15 year gap between those two two albums. Uh, And uh, I wanted to, you know, Slideshow had a lot of um, guests on it, but for me to do a CD, I just like to do it with with my friends, people I've toured with, people I've recorded with, and that's what Waltz for Abilene, I think, was a Again, a nice representation of that. Um, you know, I just, you know, to me it was like, um, you know, playing music a lot of the time, especially with people that you have worked with. Um, yes. It's almost like a, a, a conversation, but it's music, you know. Right, it's sure. It's very easy to, to do that. You know the person so well, personally and musically. So, um so I was very um, happy to, you know, have Albert Lee on a couple yes, of Yes, I love that. him. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, you know, he's wonderful. And and um, Amy Helm. Levi I love Star. her, too. Yes, She's definitely. Doing, uh, I have three vocal tracks on there. Because um, I don't sing, I just play. Uh, Omar <laughs> Kent Dykes from Omar and the Howlers is singing on a track. Uh, Rory uh-huh. Block, who's a wonderful acoustic blues artist, oh, yeah. and uh, mm-hmm. I work with her from time to time. So those are the three vocals. And instrumentals, there's you know Ray Benson and um, and uh, Larry Campbell, who's a wonderful multi-instrumentalist. Yes. And uh, Marsha Ball on piano. Uh, John Sebastian from The Love and Spoonful, who's on harmonica. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, so, um, Sonny Landris. Uh, yes, he's great. One of my or what do you, what's these blues? He plays, uh, he plays uh, you know, it's hard to explain what Sonny plays, but he has <laughs> one, of, one of the most unique styles of playing slide sure. guitar right. I've ever exactly. heard. But he plays electric six-string guitar and acoustic, but he's a a slide wizard, a lot of people Right. But not in any specific, (laughs) certainly not country, not uh, any, but he's just got his own, he's a wonderful songwriter. He's lived in Louisiana forever, so there's kind of that influence. Right. So, um, So that was, it was just, you know, uh, just, you know, I tour with Sonny almost every year. We go out as a duo. So wow. that's what Walter Abilene is about, is, is just music with friends. And and because I love and play different styles of music, I think it's a nice represent of that, too. And many different slide guitars that I chose for each track, steel guitar or a dobro or a lap steel or, you know, whatever you can slide on. Right. <laughs> so, uh, so it came out in February, and uh, it's available um, in all streaming and download music platforms, as well as a physical CD from Amazon. Right. So, yes. So I was glad to finally do another um, album. Right. And so 
What is next for you? Well, that's hard to say <laughs> with this uh, this very challenging uh, pandemic yes, virus definitely. that we're faced with. Um, all my work was canceled for this year. Um, right. And so I really don't know, um, none of us know, I guess, no matter what we do uh, for a living, or even personally, we don't know what's going to happen. So I really don't know. Um, you know, I'm, I just am hoping, being trying to be optimistic for next year. Um, Definitely. There's still a couple of things on the books that I'm hoping that will happen, uh, one of which is in November. Actually, it's um, to play two shows with A Sleep at the Wheel in Nashville. Wow. And then um, uh, the country, I'm being honored by the Country Music Hall of Fame. Um, they have a series that they do called Nashville Tats, which is a um, yes. uh, a nod to studio musicians, and right. so um, it's held in the, the theater inside the Country Music Hall of Fame, and uh, it looks to be a very fun show. They they show, um, you know, montage and film clips of your entire career and interview you, and you play a couple of songs and take question and answer from the audience. Wow. So, um, I'm hoping that will happen, but, you know, it's... Uh, I just hope whatever happens that everybody's safe and very smart about this thing. Definitely, so yes. I will not do it unless it's done safely and smartly, and, and <laughs> no doubt it will be. If it's not this year, it's next year. But in the meantime, you know, it's a good, uh, it's just a good time to catch up on things that I never got to catch up on, just being on the road all the time, yes. you know. In Woodstock, so you're back in yeah. Woodstock. Yeah, I moved back here in 2015 after being in Austin for 23 years. Uh-huh. So, uh, so it's it's nice, you know. It, um, it was always nice coming here to to come back home, and right. now I think it's uh, you know aside from the winter, I'm never was a winter person. Growing <laughs> up but um, it's it's a very pretty place to be. I love Austin, and I still go back there to work a couple of times a year. Sure. But uh, it was getting very crowded. Traffic very, was getting a little city, nuts. Yeah. And, um, and it just, you know, as all places do, especially cities, it, it was evolving. Um, a lot of the wonderful, what I thought were wonderful little kind of mom-and-pop stores and vintage instrument stores and, cl- and wonderful little clubs, uh, a lot of those are disappearing to make way for condominiums and high-rises and you know it's kind of a they're they're expanding and growing but uh you know it's funny myself and and a few other um, musicians i know we kind of all moved within one or two years of each other right just getting a little unmanageable Um, (laughs) at least that's the way we we felt about it so still a great place to go back maybe not now i think they're spiking again with the virus too right (laughs) at some point but austin i think to me will always remain a very wonderful place uh and um you know still has so much great live music and, and culture to offer still definitely and so a couple last questions who do you sure. want to play with that you haven't? Oh, a lot of people ask me that. <laughs> You've been on a lot of records, though. Willie Nelson and Merle yeah. and everyone. I mean, you got a lot of people you've played with. So who haven't you? 
It's really interesting. I, um, you know, there's so many artists that I admire, and, right. and whether or not fly guitar would fit, who knows? Right. <laughs> you know, sure. I, uh, I I love Tom Petty, and unfortunately he he passed away. It's gonna be hard um, to get him, I think. <laughs> so uh, Bruce Springsteen, I always thought would be very. Um, oh my gosh! Yeah, he's I love great. his. Uh, he's a, he's a wonderful songwriter and, and an incredible performer. I would love oh, yeah. to feel what that energy would feel like on stage, you know. Yeah. Um, and um, I mean, wow, there's just there's there's a lot of people. Um, right. That I just can't think of offhand in, in many <laughs> different genres, you know. Um, so, uh, you know, if you ask me next week, it might change. <laughs> For now, so I, where can they find your stuff? Well, um, Walt Rabelin is available. Uh, on Amazon and Spotify and um, Deezer and I think just about every music platform that you can okay. get for, for downloading, streaming, and physical CD from, from Amazon. And um, my first uh, album, Slideshow, is is uh, no longer, it's not available right now. It's not out of print, but uh, it's just not available right now. But um, hopefully later in the year it will be. Right. And, uh, and uh, if people would like to read more or or see other recordings that I've you know other albums I've been on, uh, they can just go to CindyCashDollar.com. And on the homepage, uh, on the homepage are samples of every track on the new album. So you know everybody can can read a little bit about the album and and hear the music from it. Yes. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast and. I just love having you on. Well, thank you, Dill. I was so glad to to hear from you. I I know that you've you've uh, had some some wonderful guests on there that that I work with, Bill Curtin <laughs> yes. and Dave Alvin. Yeah. And uh, just uh, they're just you have a very interesting uh, varied podcast on there. So I'll try to do that. Thank you for including oh. me in that. Yes. And, DaleWileyShow.com.